0: Check this out, y'all. Audio level, full volume. It's go time. This is
1: Border to Border with Matt Josephs.
0: He's super famous. This guy's a fraud, a phony. I respect women. I love women. I respect them so much that I completely stay away from them. Matt,
1: your manliness is overwhelming. Sports. 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 Audio level, full volume. It's go time. Here's Matt Josephs on Richmond's 1061 ESPN.
0: Normally, I say good afternoon, everybody. And I welcome you to the show, 1061 ESPM. Matt Joseph's here, border-to-border, border. Uh, taking up until 4 o'clock as a uh, holiday party rages on around me here at the uh, at the studio. Normally I say good afternoon, everybody, but this is not a good afternoon. This is actually a sad afternoon. And for those of you who may not be familiar, who may not be tuned in, uh, yesterday I promised, well, I didn't promise, but I teased, we were going to have Kurt Signetti on the show today. Talk about JMU season, uh, getting ready for a bowl game, all that good stuff. We are not going to have Kurt Signetti today because at around, oh, I think it was about 2.15 or so, maybe a little later, it was announced that Kurt Signetti is leaving for Indiana. And now, look, we're used to, here in the state of Virginia, coaches leaving for secondary programs. And the reason why I say that is, if you look at the history a VCU basketball, and the coach is leaving. I think we all know where the where I'm going with this. You've basically seen them go from Anthony Grant, who went to Alabama, uh, Jeff Capel, who went to Oklahoma, Shaka, who uh, uh, went to Texas, uh, Will Wade, who went to LSU, Mike Rhodes goes to Penn State, all football schools with basketball programs. Well, now we're kind of getting in the opposite direction. Kurt Signetti, who I'm guessing was probably... Paid pretty well at James Madison. Um, Probably could have gotten a bump in his salary. I don't know. Um, He decided to go from James Madison to Indiana, where they don't even care about football at Indiana. Like, let's be completely honest. If you look at Indiana football, and I'm pulling up their history now, because it's generally unspectacular. They have in their history three bowl victories and two conference titles. I'm sorry I have to drink water because I am still can't kick this cough yet. <coughs> um, I'm just stunned that Kurt Signetti would leave and go to a school that, that cares about football, obviously, because they're in the Big Ten. But, like, how much does he really care about it? How much do they care about it? It's disappointing. You know, I'm okay if Kurt Signetti comes out and says, I'm going to LSU. I'm going to Georgia Tech. Or I'm going to an ACC school. I'm going to a, a school that cares a lot about football. No, he's going to Indiana. And I'm sure he'll work out. And I'm sure things will go well. But like their last three coaches went 33 and 49, 26 and 46, and 19 and 30. And not to mention, um, not to mention, I came on these airwaves and I'm still stunned by this. And I, obviously I've been wrong before, but I came on these airwaves just a couple weeks ago and said, I don't think is going anywhere. I think Kurt has a great situation at James Madison. He's 62 years old. And he's a winning football coach at a place that is FBS now, has all the facilities you need to succeed, has everything at his fingertips, and there's no reason for him to leave. And if he was to go, he can wait for a job that matters in the SEC or the ACC or the Big Ten, not Indiana Big Ten, like Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, whatever, any of those schools. And instead, he chooses Indiana. And I'd love to know what the numbers are with regards to salary and things like that. I'd love to know what the deal is with, you know, how many years he's getting, it's really disappointing for me. It is. And that's not, you know, obviously, look, people who listen to this show know I'm about as big of a JMU fan outside of Harrisonburg and outside of that area as anybody else. But just, I'm tired of losing coaches to just secondary programs. It's just, it's just very frustrating to me, you know. I was hoping that if he was going to leave, which I said I didn't think he was going to, I was hoping he'd leave for someplace better. So to help us kind of react to the, the the season and getting ready for a bowl game and the news of the day, joining us now is the voice of the uh, JMU Dukes, Dave Rigger. Dave, how's it going?
1: I'm mad. I'm, well, <laughs> it has gotten awful busy around Harrisonburg here today, but uh, it's a lot of mixed emotions, I think, going on.
0: Dave, I, I, as I was saying, you know, I was hoping that if he was going to go anywhere, it would be a a solid football program, a place that will appreciate him, a place that puts more into their football. I did not expect Indiana to be the place that would pluck him out of Harrisonburg.
1: You know, I completely agree with you. Um, Of the jobs that are open right now, and again, the, the two that are kind of the main jobs right now, Indiana... And then Duke, and I I really thought Duke would be a a good fit for Coach Signetti being a private school, being in the ACC, being on the East Coast. I I thought they, again, I I just felt like he would have better resources there. And they've had some success um, the past few years, obviously, with Mike Elko going to Texas A&M. I thought that would be a pretty good fit for Coach Signetti. I did not think Indiana would be. And and I just, obviously, you can look at the history, the the tradition. There there isn't much. There, There really isn't much. They've had a few seasons here and there. But obviously, it's been uh, far and a few between for the Hoosiers. So I was I was awfully shocked by this one when uh, when it started to come down. I talked with Coach Suggs on Tuesday, and I did a did a one on one interview with him just to kind of talk about the regular season, look forward to the bowl, and everything like that. And and I could kind of tell something was up with him. Just that he even made mention of um, that that the the university is starting to step up. But I asked him point blank, you know, um, are you looking? Are you going to entertain offers? And and he said. I'd be silly not to entertain offers from Power 5 schools because it's likely going to be a $5 million gig per season. And I'd be silly not to do that in the position that I'm in because, again, the top-tier Sunbelt coaches are making maybe a million dollars. That's about it. i say that's about it. For us, we would take that in a heartbeat. But, again, for college football coaches, it's a little bit different. So it's generational money. There's no doubt about that. I did think it'd be a different program because I do know for a fact that Coach Signetti does care about his legacy. He cares about his win-loss record. He cares about that. That's a big deal to him. And uh, I think it's going to be a major challenge in keeping the win-loss record what it's been at the University of Indiana.
0: You know, it's funny because I've seen some of the past coaches, and and I I felt like obviously Mike Houston was the type that was ready to go when something came. I felt like Everett Withers was, you know, a nice coach, but like he was looking to take the next step. I never got that kind of sense from Kurt Signetti, and obviously I I was clearly wrong about that sort of thing.
1: I was with you. I didn't get that sense either. I don't think he was looking. I don't think he was. I think he really did plan on retiring here. I talked to him last year and he's just like, I love it. I mean, he said that Tuesday when I talked to him, I, he goes, I love it here. I could see myself here for the next 10 to six to 10 years. That's kind of how long he wants to coach. He's 62 years old. So he's not, not going to do this forever, but he said he could probably do it for 10 more seasons. And he, I think he felt like he could do that here. Um, but I think, I do think money started to talk and I, I, I just think when it starts to get in the $5 million range, and I think it's going to be north of five billion for this job per season, I think that just kind of started to, to weigh on him a little bit, that that, that he could set his, his family up for a long, long time. So um, I didn't think he would leave. I really didn't. I, I thought he was going to be here for the long haul. He signed a, a contract extension here recently, and I think he had every intention of staying. But, again, as as we all know, money can start to talk, and I think that's what got into it a little bit. And again, he's going to set him his, – his, and his family up for a long time. But I, I was with you. I didn't believe, didn't think he'd, he'd leave. He was set up for the long haul. and Especially being an older coach, he was kind of set up to, to retire right here. And I think that was initially the plan, but obviously the plan changed.
0: It feels like, obviously... We, you, you know, you're close to the program. We cover the program. This is going to be a very nice job. I mean, it feels like James Madison's going to have their pick of somebody who's going to be very good. They're not going to have to sit there and, and, and you know, uh, sift through a lot of garbage applications. It feels like whoever takes over this job is going to be highly qualified.
1: 100% agree. I think this is a, a marquee job right now, especially at the group of five level. I'm not sure there's a better job at the group of five level. Um, you can maybe argue a few programs here and there, but at the group of five level, this is probably the marquee job right now. With all the attention that the JMU received for this season, being on being college game day, um, being ranked in the top twenty-five, still being ranked in the top twenty-five, winning eleven games, the lawsuit that that they were going that that people were going to to sue the NCAA and everything like that, um, there was just so much talk, whether it be good or bad, about JMU. There was they were they were in the public eye pretty much the entire college football season, and a lot of people were behind them just because they felt like. The rule is archaic that they can't play for a Sun Belt championship, can't go to a bowl game. Now the bowl game certainly happened just because there weren't enough eligible teams. But I think JMU kind of became America's darling a little bit over the course of this season, and they were in the spotlight for much of this season, and that has that has has been a, a big thing for for JMU. And again, they already have the biggest budget in the Sun Belt already, even though they're a transitioning team. Well, the transition's over now, so you don't have to worry about that. So a coach is going to come in here and not have any restrictions at all and have the backing of a fan base that is certainly hungry for even more than what they've done recently. So I think they're going to get some tremendous applications for this job. This will be a highly sought-after position.
0: Uh, normally you would wonder about a team's motivation for their ball game when they lose their coach. I feel like this team's still going to go and try and destroy whoever their opponent is. Do you have any wonder as to how this team's motivation will be for their ball game?
1: No, I think you're right. I think that they just with this being the first bowl in JMU history, they they're really excited about it. I talked to Jordan McLeod earlier today, the quarterback of the Dukes, and he goes, I don't I don't care what's going on around us. We want to go win this game and win 12 games. Not many teams can win 12 games in a season, whether you're playing for the Sunbelt Championship or not. So I, I don't think that I don't think this is gonna. Going to affect them at all, and the one thing that that Coach Signetti has done a really good job of, you know, he has a hand in the offense and, and a little bit in the defense, but he's an offensive guy. But he lets his coaches coach, especially at the at, at the the Power Five level. Those coaches, a lot of them are CEOs, and, and they just kind of oversee everything. Well, Coach Signetti has his hand in things. But he lets his coaches coach, and their position coaches are—they're a big deal. They let—they let those position coaches coach. So even though Coach Signetti, and we're going to find out here probably at 3:30 when a press conference happens with AD Jeff Bourne, if if Coach Signetti is going to stay on and be the head coach, because again we've seen it both ways, where coaches have stayed on to coach the bowl game, some have left and left the assistants to to, to manage the rest. But um, that'll be interesting to see kind of how that plays out. If he does stay, then, again, I think it's business as usual, and they'll want to win one more for him and obviously for the program. But I don't think the motivation is going to be swayed either way just because of of what's happened today and him moving on to a new job. I think they want to win this for JMU. It's the first-ever bowl game in the history of this program, and they have a chance to win 12 football games. So I I don't think the motivation – they won't lack any motivation to try and win this next game.
0: Any rumblings as to where they may go? I've seen a bunch of different projections. A lot of them, I'm a fan of Myrtle Beach. You know, there's some different ones. Have you had any rumblings of where they may go?
1: There is, there's so much speculation. I really don't. There's there's about eight different possibilities, and there was nine, but the Hawaii Bowl just picked Coastal Carolina, so that one's that one's locked up. But um, I. Myrtle Beach is one that I hear a lot of. Um, I'm not a huge fan of that one just because you'd be playing at Coastal Carolina Stadium. The Dukes just played a regular season game there. I don't, I, I, it'd be weird to go there for a bowl game now. Um, again, it'd still be a big deal. But I'd rather go to them, go, have them go somewhere that's an NFL-type stadium. I'd love for them to play in the, in the Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa and go play at Raymond James Stadium, places like that. I, just, I, I hope it's a destination place like that where it's not a Sunbelt school that they're playing at it won't be playing that school, but those are games that you see in the regular season, stadiums you see in the regular season. I'd rather them not go to a bowl like that just so it is a bigger deal for the fan base of this program. And they'll turn it into a big deal anyway, but again, there's some rumblings of the Military Bowl in Annapolis, which would be cool. A lot of rumblings on who they will play. I'm hearing a lot of, obviously... A lot of people around here want Liberty (laughs) um, and and have that game in a bowl. I hear a lot of Toledo because they were undefeated in the MAC in the regular season, and that'd be a good matchup in the bowl season. So those are a couple of matchups that I think a lot of people want, or, or they want Virginia Tech in a bowl as well. So. Um, we'll see it. We'll find out Sunday for sure. But those are some of the the possibilities I think that are that are coming up.
0: Dave, before we let you go, obviously the basketball team moves to seven and zero to start the season. A little bit of a slow start against Buffalo. Not a very good team, but they uh, took a, took care of business and got a very nice victory yesterday.
1: Yeah, I kind of went through the motions in that game the entire way. They played well for five minutes. They struggled for five minutes. They were just kind of they did they did enough to win. Went by fifteen against a team that's not very good. Um, but this is a really good basketball team as you guys i'm sure have covered a little bit i mean this is a top 25 team now they're 7-0 um they're gonna they're gonna equal their best start in school history at 8-0 coming up this sunday when they play a division three team from pennsylvania and keystone college and then a week from saturday they play a non-conference game against old dominion so the royal rivalry will get renewed three times this year and it'll play a non-conference game and this was scheduled a long time ago and part of a contract so to Instead of trying to buy out of a contract, they're just going to play a non-conference game in Norfolk coming up a week from Saturday. And JMU will be 8-0. O. D. already has that as a whiteout, probably a sellout in Norfolk. And uh, that'll be a huge game coming up then because, again, JMU, if they could win that one, they'd move to 9-0. And they've never started, not to no know, in the history of this program. They had an 8 no start in the 70s when they were a Division two school, and then the 81-82 campaign with lefties. They, they were undefeated uh, through the first eight games before losing to Memphis State. So they've got a chance for their best start in school history, but this team is connected. They are, they're playing very good basketball right now, and they've got a chance to do something pretty special this season.
0: Well, Dave, uh, thank you for uh, giving us some time. Obviously, this was last minute. We were supposed to have Coach on, and uh, things changed. <laughs> so uh, you were a very good fill-in.
1: Uh, anytime, Matt, anytime you need me, let me know.
0: All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Dave. All right. uh, That is Dave Rigert, the voice of uh, the JMU Dukes. And, um, you know, obviously, as I said, we were supposed to have coach on today and we, we did not, I I just think, and we'll break because we're, that was a little bit of a long segment. I just, the frustrating part for me. And obviously, look, as I said, I'm a fan from afar. I want to see a lot of the state schools do well. You know, I'm a fan of a lot of them. Um, I want to see everybody do well, but it's just to lose a coach to Indiana for football, like Indiana for basketball. I can understand if JMU's uh, basketball coach, if, if Mark Byington left JMU for Indiana, we'd all understand it. We'd be like, oh, Indiana national basketball program, you know, team that has a lot of uh, stuff to lose Kurt Cignetti to a football program at Indiana. That's just frustrating. That's just very frustrating, and I'm sure, you know, the Dukes work so hard to get to a ball game and get through this transition, and then they lose their coach in the process. But as he said, like, and I don't know what the names are, and Chris Vanini usually writes an article about, like, um, Chris Vanini usually writes an article around the time of a job opening, like, who is going to be on the list. I'll be interested to see what who's on his list, but, like, they won't have any issues. The amount of people who will send their stuff to the school and look, they could stay in the program. Mike Shanahan, Brian Haynes, Tino Sinceri. like I think you could go and promote any of those guys if they don't go with Kurt Signetti. I think you could definitely go and promote one of those guys. I, I just I don't think there'll be any sort of issues finding the right head coach. Um I'm reading an article here from Shane Metlin who's making some suggestions. He wrote about current and former assistants, current head coaches. He said a splashy hire would be Dana Holgerson. No. No Dana Holgerson. No. No 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 no. no. He also mentions Mike London. I don't I we all love Mike London. I think they can do better than Mike London. I think they can do better than Mike London. He's got assistants elsewhere. He mentions Anthony Poindexter on Penn State, uh, Marquise Higgins, um, Pete Lembo, who's the associate head coach at South Carolina. He was the former head coach at Elon. I want to get a young, hot shot assistant. Or I actually do like promoting from a thin. I think if you want to go and you feel comfortable keeping a lot of this staff together... Or Mike Shanahan or Brian Haynes, I don't think that would be a bad way to go at all. 327 0888, that is the phone number, that is the text line. 804 is the area code uh, if you want to join the show. Let's take a time out. Coming up, if you have any suggestions, go right ahead. Uh, we will also recap last night in college basketball, take a look at tonight's slate as well as Thursday night football, the stinking Cowboys in action, plus Sports Illustrated released their Sports Person of the Year. It was probably a good idea months ago, but I don't think it is anymore. We'll tell you who that is as we take you up to 4 o'clock. Bob and Sean will be on from 4 until 6. You're listening to 106.1 ESPN.
1: The NFL season is in full swing, and we don't want anyone to forget. We have NFL coverage every Sunday afternoon. As well as every Dallas Cowboys broadcast. Here on your home for sports in the River City, 106.1 ESPN Richmond. Buying a vehicle is like...
0: Welcome back, 1061 ESPN, Matt Joseph's here Disappointed I know there's a lot of fans of other fan bases Who are A, sick of me talking about James Madison Or B, just don't like James Madison So they're happy, but like, that's just That's frustrating I don't. I, I can't decide if I want him to stay for the bowl game or not Like, part of me Part of me says no Get the hell out of here Like, you took the job, you left You can't stay for the bowl game And then part of me's like Yeah, let's win one for the Cignetti I don't know. I can't decide Uh, part of me really does want him to not be there because he decided that he wanted to go elsewhere. So like you don't you don't get to like have one last fling with your ex-girlfriend. You have to go and be with your new girlfriend. I don't know. You could tell me uh, at Matt on Twitter uh, or uh, text line 804-327-0888. But it is frustrating. Um, by the way, I mean, the, the Sunbelt released all their awards today. Might as well have been the the JMU award. The player of the year, Jordan McLeod. The defensive player of the year, Jalen Green. The coach of the year, Kurt Signetti, First team offense, Jordan McLeod. Uh, Reggie Brown. Elijah Surratt. Zach Horton. First team defense, Jalen Green. Jam- Jameek Home- Chroma. Um... First team defense, also Jason Henderson of Old Dominion, and then there's a whole bunch of guys on the second team. We were gonna have excitement. We were gonna be excited about all this stuff. I had all my questions ready for Kurt Signetti. I was gonna ask him about smiling, but how Phoenix Prol says they hadn't seen him any happier when they were singing the uh, the fight song after uh, the last victory. That's just frustrating. 3270 three two seven, zero eight, eight, eight. that is the phone number, that is the text line. 804 uh, is the area code. Uh, Dave did just drop something that had come out. Uh, there are sources who are saying the Hawaii Bowl will be San Jose, San Jose State and Coastal Carolina, which would have been a fun one because obviously, Coastal uh, it, Hawaii Bowl is actually not a Sunbelt tie in, but because the Sunbelt had 12 teams in they are now slotting them in to different bowl games so they don't have Sunbolt teams playing each other. So, Coastal, who was awful against JMU in their last game, with everything at stake, they get the award of playing San Jose State in the Hawaii Bowl. Don't get me started on San Jose State, who should probably be in the Mountain West Championship game, but the Mountain West is allowing computers to decide who is going to be in the bowl game. Unbelievable. Um, The NFL has just announced they are um, flexing. For the first time ever, they are changing their Monday Night Football game in Week 15. The Chiefs and the Patriots were scheduled to be the Week 15 Monday Night game. The Patriots are so bad and such an embarrassment that they have put the Eagles and the Seahawks in Seattle on Monday Night Football. There is now a triple header on Saturday... And they changed a couple of other games. Chiefs and Patriots are now 1 o'clock on Fox. So, um... For the first time, the NFL is flexing, and of course it involves the Eagles, as if the NFL has not done enough to make the Eagles' schedule any harder. All right, let's um, take a timeout. We went a little long in that first segment. When we come back, we'll recap yesterday's college basketball. Good day for some, not so good for others in the state of Virginia. Tell you who's playing tonight. And then also, uh, in the last segment, we'll talk about SI released their Sports Person of the Year. Think about it. I did give you a clue. This person would have been a fantastic choice in September, but now on November 30th going forward, eh, not the best choice. We'll talk about that as well. Taking up to four, you're listening to 106.1 ESPN. Welcome back. 106.1 ESPN, Matt Joseph's here. Uh, coming up on the show tomorrow, Tim Murray will join us, and uh, we are scheduled to have a Randolph-Macon football player as they uh, hit the road on their way to uh, their game on Saturday. Uh, we may have somebody else. Um, we were scheduled to do something else to, uh, tomorrow, but, uh, we'll see. Uh, I can't tell you now because last time I told you we were going to have Kurt Cignetti, He took a job somewhere else. So I don't want to tease anything else. Uh, the ACC continues to release their awards. Mike Norvell named the ACC coach of the year. That made sense. Um, four different coaches got votes though. Mike Norvell got 36 votes. Jeff Brom got 16 votes. Dave Dorn got 10. Brent Key of Georgia Tech got two. Um, Mike Norvell. The one thing, and this has always been my issue with awards like this. Florida State was supposed to be good, and they were good. So, how great of a coach is Mike Norvell? But he's had to deal with some things and all you know, all sorts of stuff. So, I have no problem with it. Jeff Brom. I feel like Louisville surpassed their expectations. So maybe he should have been the head, uh, the ACC coach of the year. Brent Key. I mean, Georgia Tech definitely surpassed their expectations, but nobody outside of Georgia. They're not voting for Brent Key. Player of the year went to Jordan Travis, although Peyton Wilson was right behind, 31-25. to 25. Malik Washington, the Virginia wide receiver, got four votes. Drake May got three. Future Philadelphia Eagle, Jeremiah Trotter Jr., uh, got one of Clemson. And that means Jordan Travis, Offensive Player of the Year. Peyton Wilson, Defensive Player of the Year. And then first team all-conferences came a while ago. Malik Washington of Virginia and Jonas Sanker of Virginia. Those were the two... First teamers um, from the state schools. Tuton, the uh, running back, made second team all conference along with Antoine Powell Ryland uh, for Virginia Tech. And there were no Cavaliers in the second team. And then they have the the honorable mention, which I find, which I always find funny because you know they list nine million people uh, in the honorable mention list. So if you're looking at the, for the awards, the ACC has released there. So he talks about the Sunbelt awards, um, that, uh, just came out as well. And so we'll see what happens there. All right. College basketball tonight, real quick. Liberty is playing Florida Atlantic in an interesting game. Liberty's had a really good start to the season. They're about a seven and a half point underdog tonight. We'll see how Liberty does against the final four contender. Um, You know, obviously Vegas thinks that Florida Atlantic is going to keep winning, but it's a good test for Liberty as part of a, like, three tournament where it's Liberty, Florida Atlantic, and Charleston. So Liberty's going to play Charleston soon, and then Florida Atlantic's going to play Charleston. It's a round-robin sort of situation that the round of 68 is doing. And um, so we'll see what happens there. Yesterday in college basketball. um, All right, we'll start out with Richmond. You know, obviously, look. Very frustrating effort by the spiders. They come out uh, of the locker room. They don't play very well. Then they go and they get hot and they you know they come back. It's a two-point game at halftime, and then they come out of the halftime uh, locker room and they play badly once again. They go ice cold, which Tall State starts playing a little bit of defense and they win the game 80 to 68. I think I can honestly say I say I still have no idea what Richmond is. I don't think they're terrible but I don't think they're great either. I feel like seven games in, every result, except for maybe the UNLV result, has kind of gone the way I thought it was going to go. They'll beat William & Marriott Saturday at home. The Northern Iowa game next Wednesday on the road, that'll be a tough one. They'll lose to Florida. They'll probably beat Charlotte at home, probably beat Buffalo, Lafayette at home, and then start conference play. And we will have no idea about this Spiders team. We obviously know Jordan King's good. We know Neil Quinn's good. We know that the loss of Delani Hunt is going to hurt the team the next couple of weeks. We know Isaiah Bigelow is pretty good. We know that there's some key freshmen. We know Jason Roach can't do anything right, right now. We know that Aiden Noyes is struggling as well. But like, I don't, you know, usually by now you could kind of figure out a team in which direction it's going to kind of go. I don't know for the Spiders. I don't know. They could spring an upset or two. They could also lose to a team that's worse than them. I, I, I almost feel like, in a way, it's the worst thing you could talk about a team and say is that you just don't know enough about them. They're 4-3. and three. If you said to me, pick this start to this season, I probably would have had the Spiders 4-3 and three so far. Maybe winning against Boston College and losing to UNLV. So they're at right where I thought they were going to be. Uh, Virginia got a nice win against Texas A&M. Obviously, Texas A&M was not 100%. Uh, Tyrese Radford did not play. And we talked about it yesterday. The one thing that was concerning about this game was rebounding. Virginia gave up 18 offensive rebounds. They got out-rebounded 42-30. to The difference was, UVA was hot from long range. Texas A&M was not. So, this is my concern going forward for Virginia, who is not a tall team at all. And their tallest player is a freshman, and as we get along in the season, how is he going to play as a freshman? Is he going to get stronger? Or is he going to get weaker and tired and stuff like that? I think offense may not be as much of an issue. Granted, as I say that, they scored 59 points yesterday. But I just wonder how they're going to do against the taller teams. Carolina's a taller team. Um, Duke's a taller team. It'll be the defense of Virginia against the size of the other of the other side. So, I still think Virginia is a final four team potentially if things break right, but I'm also very concerned. Very concerned about the lack of size and going up against teams that just crush teams on the boards. So, we'll see what happens there. Tech lost yesterday. Um Tech's not going to have enough offense, and if they don't want to play great defense, they're just not going to be very good. Um they're going to be Louisville at home on Sunday. There is a, the start of the ACC conference schedule this weekend. They'll win that game, but I just there's not enough offense on this team. There's just not. There's Sean Padula and there's Hunter Couture, and both are shooting well, and Lin Kid is playing well inside. But other than that, where where are they getting the offense from? You know, the loss of um, the loss of, and I'm blanking on the kid's name for a second. Rodney Rice, that was a huge loss. Rodney Rice was supposed to be the instant offense this team desperately needed, and now he's not there, and so I, I'm i concerned about their offense. And for a team that doesn't play great defense, if you're not going to play great defense and you're not going to score enough points, that's that's going to be a little bit of an issue. Uh, JMU got the win yesterday. We just talked about that. There was a little bit of a sleepwalking start to it, but they get the victory over Buffalo and are now 7-0. Um and then you look at VMI they lost at Army. Old Dominion and Radford had a really nice game. It was really close. ODU gets the win, uh 69 to 68. Radford is 0 and 4 out away from home. They're 0 and 3 in the state of Virginia. It was a very close game throughout. They had their opportunities, they couldn't do it. And so ODU is your typical ODU. They've got some solid offense and if they play enough defense, they'll keep winning. So I don't know. I don't know what happened. But ODU got the win over Radford. All right. Uh, so there is a Zoom going on right now for Jeff Bourne. And so I'm going to give you kind of some of the, the news and notes that came out of it. Um, Kurt Signetti is going to stay and coach the ball game. Indiana was willing to allow it. And um, so Kurt Signetti is going to coach the ball game. A new contract was offered to Kurt Signetti. Prior to him interviewing with Indiana, clearly it wasn't enough. That's another frustrating aspect here. You know, JMU as a program is on its way up. And the facilities, you could argue, and I know nothing about the facilities that they have at Indiana for the football team. But JMU's facilities are very good. It's kind of like how VCU's facilities are really good and better than a lot of Power 5 schools. Like JMU had everything um, and a, a passionate fan base. Indiana's kind of just like, like, do they really care about football? Indiana has not had, I'm looking here. Indiana has not had a coach finish his time at the school with a winning record since 1934 to 1947. Bo McMillan, Coached at Indiana for 14 seasons and had a 63-48 and 11 record. 11 ties. That's crazy. He's the last guy. I'll give you the last six coaches at Indiana: Tom Allen, 33 and 49; Kevin Wilson, 26 and 46; Bill Lynch, 19 and 30; Terry Hopner, 9 and 14; Jerry Dinardo, 8 and 27; Cam Cameron, 18 and 37. Lee Corso went 41-68-2 and for 10 years. I don't know. Hopefully he does not take a lot of kids with him. That would be frustrating. I hope that Jordan McLeod stays at James Madison. But we'll see what happens. Uh, Jeff Bourne did just say, you most likely will be looking externally for his replacement. So there goes the idea that one of the assistants might take the job. I would have liked to have seen one of the assistants to keep, you know continuity in place. But as I said, the list of people who have probably already applied or mentioned interest for this job is pretty impressive. Jeff Bourne said he hopes that JMU's next head coach will be in attendance at the bowl game. Well, we don't know when the bowl game is happening. And I would hope they're not going to rush this thing because guess what? There is a lot of reasons for anybody to take this job and so I hope they don't just go out and take the first guy and say, "Yep, you're the head coach." Uh 3270888, that is the phone number that is the text line for the show. 804 is the area code. All right, let's take our final timeout. I'm going to give you the break to think about it. SI named the sports person of the year and the clue I gave was it's a great idea in September. Now, not so much. We'll tell you about who it is and where I would have gone with SI Person of the Year. We'll do that in our final segment. Tell you what's coming up tomorrow. You're listening to 106.1 ESPN. Welcome back. 106.1 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here. Uh, final segment. Uh, Corey on the text line said, pretty much where you are, Matt, kind of wants Signetti just to go, but we want to still get a win the first poll. more. People can't keep getting mad at kids for transferring when coaches literally change uh, for money and... Opportunity. I have faith in JMU, though. Did a good search last time when Mike Houston left. How's ECU doing? Yeah, that's. See, here's the thing. And obviously, I don't believe. I mean, I think I occasionally did some interviews with Mike Houston, but that doesn't mean like I I wasn't around some of these guys and like you know listened to some of the other people do interviews and stuff like that. As I told Dave uh, back in the first segment, and we had the voice of the Dukes on right off the top of the show. Like I got the sense from Mike Houston that this was a stepping stone. Like, I figured that he was there long enough to get the the good offer, and he was out of here. Like, I felt no loyalty from Mike Houston. I definitely did not feel any sort of loyalty from Everett Withers. Like, I 150% thought Everett Withers was, you know, win and get out. I never got that sense from Kurt Signetti. I never got that sense. And part of it was his age, being 62, and uprooting his family. I figured if he was going to do so, he would do it for the right job. I did not think Indiana was the right job. It's the same vibe. Like I kind of got that vibe from Will Wade when he was at VCU. Never got that vibe from Mike Rhodes that he would leave for a Penn State. I figured if Mike Rhodes was going to leave, he would leave for like a Virginia, Virginia Tech, like like that type of job. I never got that urge, and that's why obviously you know all the VCU fans were mad at, at Mike Rhodes. But like you can kind of get a vibe from some of these coaches that when they get hired at a power five a group of 5 level some of them you feel like all right this guy could stay here for quite a while like if 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 we win he's the type who's going to stay and keep some loyalty and then there's other guys that you see who will get a job in the in the group of 5 and you could sense like in that press conference they're ready to go as it is like they're they're sitting there saying yeah I'm ready to go like kind of got that sense with Manny Diaz when he took the Temple job for 10-15 minutes. It was like, yeah, I'm going to take the Temple job, but, like, I'm ready. My resume's already out. My resumes are already other places. So, I never got that from from Kurtz. I think that's why it disappoints me more, is that I just never got that sense. Um. So, yeah. Uh, text line is 804-327-0888. And, um... So, the SI Sports Person of the Year. By the way, the person who's asking about tonight's game, the Seahawks and the Cowboys, I don't I don't know. The Cowboys have scored a lot of points at home. Seattle, I feel, is slightly fraudulent. Um, the one prop I like is Geno Smith's rushing yards over. Dallas is allowing a lot of rushing yards to quarterbacks because their pass rush is so good. So, I would look at Geno's rushing yards over. Once again, a little sprinkle only because it's the last game, uh, only because it's somebody asked, you can see that sort of thing. Um, But I wouldn't go large on it. But Geno Smith's rushing. I think it's eight and a half. I took the over. Um, All right, so SI announced their sports person of the year. First off, it's November 30th. And secondly, I don't know if it was the AI or not who came out with it. But as the texter who correctly uh, announced it was on text, Deion Sanders was named the sports person of the year. And I completely understand that, and it shows that the store, the SI, is not taking this seriously. Because when you put Deion Sanders on the cover in on November 30th or whatever day this is coming out, you're basically putting forth a a, a coach who came in with all this bluster, all this attention, and I loved it. Don't. uh, Don't get it twisted. I loved what Deion Sanders did, and I think that Coach Prime is going to do great things for college football. I was not one of those people who was rooting for him to fail like a lot of people were out in public. I like having somebody that you can root against in in terms of the sport. You know, Notre Dame, USC, when they were really good people, hated USC. You know, uh, Florida State, Miami. Like, we hated those teams. They played the heel tremendously, I didn't mind that Deion Sanders didn't mind that had like Colorado was going to be the next team in that line. But like you put him on the cover, and he was a great story back in September. But in December, he's not a great story anymore. He's losing recruits. He's losing players. He finished the season with four wins. They got three wins early. To me, it's very lazy. And for a magazine that's already under pressure early because of this AI stuff... And because the people who already write for them are frustrated with what's going on, to go and say the best person for, what, nine of the months, ten of the months, sports person of the year, ten months? It's ridiculous. To me, it's very simple. The sports person of the year, and I'll let you think for a second. Because if, if you, you know, it's very tough when you think of sports person of the year, it's somebody who had to have gotten a lot of the headlines, somebody who people identify with. And of course, if you're Sports Illustrated, somebody that when you see their face, you want to buy the magazine, you want them to be intriguing enough. You know, Aaron Rodgers is intriguing and everything, he has very interesting opinions. He's obviously trying to come back from the ACL, but like, he's not sports person of the year material. To me, it's very simple, it's very simple. It's Travis and Jason Kelsey. They have the number one podcast they feel like in the world. Jason Kelsey has the Amazon documentary. He's the center for the team that was in the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year and is heading towards the Super Bowl this year. Travis Kelsey was in that Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl, heading towards potentially another Super Bowl, and oh yeah, there's this pop artist that he's connected with. I have no idea who she is. Oh yeah, that's right, Taylor Swift. Like, this is as easy a decision as you could ever do. You slap the Kelseys on the front of Sports Illustrated, and guess what? Every one of the Swifties in this world buys Sports Illustrated for the first time in their life. I just don't understand it. I don't understand. Deion Sanders was a great story for 10 months, nine months, but he's gone away. Like no one's talking about Deion Sanders anymore. Travis Kelsey and and Jason Kelsey will be talked about for the next 24 months, 36 months, whatever. They're great at what they do. Their podcast is better than anything out there. Travis Kelsey would sell a lot of magazines because the Swifties will do everything. I was in their chat for the podcast they just did yesterday and it was all Swifties in there watching this podcast, and they know nothing about football. So, shame on you, Sports Illustrated. I guess the AI shouldn't be making the uh, decisions for something like this. But my people of the year are the Kelsey's, sports people of the year. I think they would have done a whole lot better. We talked JMU Athletics today. We had the voice of the JMU Dukes instead of uh, the head coach. Uh, so that was, uh, that's, uh, that'll was that's that be up on our website, ESPNRichmond.com. Coming up tomorrow, as I said, we will have Tim Murray on. We'll do uh, our preview for the weekend. We will hopefully catch up with the Randolph-Macon players. They head to their game uh, this weekend. And maybe another guest of interest uh, coming up on the show tomorrow as we get you set for the weekend ahead. I am going to enjoy some food here at the uh, at the holiday party. Bob and Sean are up next. Thanks to Lewis for all his hard work. Back tomorrow to close out the week in style. 3-4, four one zero six one ESPN.
1: It's the grand opening of the new Henrikos